Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Last Sunday evening we concluded our series on the rest that God gives His children as we saw it here in Isaiah. We looked at several chapters here in Isaiah, and you might have thought that we were going to continue on when I announced turn to Isaiah 55, but we're not. We're going in a different direction tonight. This evening we do return to Isaiah, and I want to pick up on a thought that I touched on this morning. This is one of the challenges of preaching. Uh, you, uh, you study and prepare, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times, I have far more material than I have time for. <laughs> and uh, you would be grateful to know how much. <laughs> I, often I, I dice and cut and, and remove and try to trim it down to get it to an, a, re- a reasonable time. And, uh, but when I, sometimes I come to something and I think, I need to talk about this more. I want to I say more about this, but I, but I don't have time for it in that morning worship hour. Sometimes I've been known to do a part, one, part two and a part three and a part four of that particular verse. But, but this wasn't necessarily in the verse that we looked at, but it's, it was part of the thought, the train of thought that I had developed about worshiping the Lord with your joyfulness, with your gratitude, and being obedient to the command to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice as Paul gave us that in Philippians 4.4. 4. So often, um, if I don't extend a series on a Sunday morning, I'll bring back a topic to Sunday night, which is a great time to kind of dig in and get, go a little deeper with something. And so I want to do that tonight. This morning, I noted that if we're going to rejoice in the Lord always, we, we, we need to know, have a, a heart knowledge about God's Word. A head knowledge is good, but we need to have a heart knowledge. The Word of God needs to take up residence in us. Only being somewhat familiar with God's Word is not enough if you want to be equipped for all of life to rejoice in the Lord always, to to rejoice in the Lord. Remember, I challenged you this morning that we can rejoice in the object of blessing that God gives us, but we ought not really give it the the adulation. We should not worship the, the blessing itself. We should worship the blessing giver should worship God and direct our worship to Him. And, and God's Word helps us do that. God's Word instructs our hearts and corrects our thinking and sets us on the right path. We heard that in Psalm 119 as I read it tonight. So to know God as you need to know Him, you must feed your heart and your mind, feed your soul with the Word of God. And I don't think I'm wasting my breath to encourage you, even though you are here on a Sunday night and you are here to hear preaching and, and to sing together, I don't think it's a waste of our time to emphasize how important this is because it's so easy for us to get overwhelmed with the busyness of life that we let the reading of God's Word slip slowly to the side. To know and learn to trust the Lord, you need His Word. The Bible says this in Colossians 3.16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And that cannot be accomplished with only a passing familiarity with the Bible. So I sent you to Isaiah 55. Let's look at Isaiah 55. And I want you to go to verses 10 and 11. This is a powerful an important statement about the Word of God. I just wanted to start here because I'm going to 
point to several passages in the Scriptures in the Old and New Testaments about the importance of reading God's Word and, and the power of God's Word when we read it and what God's Word does in our lives when we read it. But these two verses, this is a powerful and important statement about the Word of God. What you hold in your hands and are to hide in your heart, this passage talks about. Look at verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so, says verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. In Isaiah 55, if you were to sit and read that whole chapter, we're shown what God accomplishes in the life of every true follower of God, every true follower and believer in Christ who turns from sin, who puts their trust in the Savior. And in verses 10 and 11, we hear that God's Word is a key part of what God does. God's Word is a vital part of what God will do in the believer's life. The big picture here is that God will accomplish His good purposes. He will have His way, and His ways are good for us, and He will accomplish His good purposes on the earth. Just like creation, what God speaks into life will be. Just like creation, what God speaks into existence, what He ordains will be. On a personal level, just like moisture on the earth produces growth and sustains life, God's Word will produce growth and sustain life in each and every believer who surrenders to God's Word and who goes to the Word for the life-giving promises that only God has. Isaiah 55 verses 10 and 11 points to the importance of the Word of God at work in our lives. So back to the imperative that I touched on briefly this morning. We must be readers of God's Word. We we are privileged to have God's Word. Many of us have many copies of God's Word. And we are blessed to have many translations to help us understand what the Bible is saying, what God is saying to us in the pages of our Bibles. And so we must be readers of God's Word. We must repent of and turn from sin and believe in Jesus. And as believers in Jesus, we need to read the Bible and seek to apply it to our lives and obey it. Psalm 119 and verse 130 says that the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I come to a verse like that and I say, yes, there's hope for me. (laughs) I need understanding. I'm simple. I need understanding. God is gracious. And this is one of the reasons I'm confident that even little children 
who are read the scriptures and who hear the preaching of the word may not understand all that's going on or understand from God's word everything that's being said. But often a youngster has simple faith and believes the things of God and God is gracious to even help in that life of that youngster to take his word and, and use it in that youngster's life. So I, I rejoice when I get to see youngsters hearing the preaching of the word or, or I know youngsters are being read the scriptures by their parents. And one of the things uh, we did as parents when our children first started reading, as soon as they started reading, I gave them, uh, we would give them a copy of the NIV because it's really easy to read. Uh, one of our sons recently said that. I, I really like the English Standard Version. Many of our uh, family members like to use that too, and I think many of our kids use the ESV now. But one of our sons recently said, yeah, I remember getting a copy of the Bible and being able to read it. I was so excited. And I thank God for that. Uh, we need the Bible. We need to read the Word. We need light. We need understanding to live lives that honor God. We cannot honor God if we don't know God, if we don't know His Word, if we aren't hiding His Word in our hearts. And with all the noise that's going on in the world around us, we could certainly fear or be concerned about what's going on in the world around us, but we need to have the truth of God's Word training our thought life, training our speech, training our news-watching habits, training our reading habits, things like that, that we need the Word for that. We need the truth. And the truth is found in God's Word. We need the Bible to teach us, instruct us, shed light and truth on our lives. And often we need our thinking corrected and admonished and changed. And the Bible is so good to do that when we submit to it. And if we submit to God's Word, it will help us rejoice in the Lord always to know the truths of Scripture. So tonight I want to challenge you to read the Bible with seven reasons to read the Bible, and I don't think we're going to get to all seven, so I'm, get, I'm telling you that ahead of time because I think it's going to be a next week. We'll finish this up next Sunday evening, but we'll probably get to about four of them tonight. I don't think we'll see all seven this evening because I do also want to do this. I want to give you some practical examples of what it looks like to read your Bible and how to read your Bible. And so we'll probably finish with that next Sunday evening, but we'll get into a few of these tonight. And I believe I could give you 21 reasons to read the Bible, or 101 reasons to read the Bible, or 1,001 reasons to read the Bible, but I'll settle on seven. How's that? So here's the first reason to read the Bible. And I would challenge you and encourage you to be willing to think about this. If you, if you don't have a a commitment to reading the Bible every day to think about making a commitment tonight to reading the Bible every day, even if it's just a few verses. But I would encourage you and challenge you that you can go further than just a few verses. When I talk to people who have read the Bible many, many, many times, they tell me that, and I know that this is true in my own life from the exposure that I've had been privileged to have to the Scriptures, that God's Word just comes back. And you may not remember it perfectly but but the truths of God's word come back when you need them and they train you and equip you and you can't help but remember what you've read if you've read it many many times so as I talk about this tonight I want you to think about if you haven't committed to reading the Bible and reading it through and reading it through again and reading it through again until God takes you home or returns 
to keep reading through the Bible. Commit to that. I would challenge and encourage you to think about committing to that tonight. Here's the first reason to read the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. Sounds simple. Sounds like something you probably already agree with. But let's start here. The Bible is God's Word. This is not man's Word. God used men to pen the words that we hold in our hands that we call the Bible. But but the pages of Scripture that we hold in our hands, this is God speaking to us. The Bible is God making Himself known. That's one of the reasons we ought to be able to rejoice in the Lord. When we look at the Scriptures, we think, God makes Himself known to me. Praise the Lord. You ought to praise God for that. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. You need God's Word so that you will be trained in righteousness, so that you will be corrected when necessary, so that you will be reproved when your thinking is sinful or worldly or anti-truth. You need the teaching of God's Word. And it is a really good thing that you're here tonight. I'm so thankful that you gather to listen to the preaching of the Word and to sing songs of worship and to pray together. But you need more than just Sundays, more than just Sunday morning, more than just Sunday school and Sunday night. You need to make the Word your own. You need for the Word to take up residence in you. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God's Word is like no other book on earth. It is God speaking to you when you read it. And when you put the Bible into your heart, when you... And what I mean by that is when you put God's Word into your life, into your heart and soul, you're... You do it with the attitude of, I, I see what God's Word is saying. This may look hard and challenging, but I want to obey. God, help me to obey your Word. It's that kind of an attitude that I would challenge you, you need to have when you read the Scriptures. Every time you sit down and read the Bible, whether it's just a few verses or whether it's at supper time with your family or in the evening, if that's the time you like to read the Bible or in the morning, to stop and say, I'm going to read your Word I know you're speaking to me, God. Help me obey you with what I see here. For the kind of joy that only God gives, you need His Word teaching you, reproving, correcting, training, training your thoughts and your decision-making, your speech and your conduct, training you in righteousness. And and to, to have that happen, you need to come submissively to God's Word. You need to come humbly to God's Word. And when we put the Bible into our hearts and our minds and our lives, Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says that it gives us truth. It gives us this truth, this promise. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Do you realize that when you read the Bible and you come with the right attitude to say, God, I know this is Your Word and I know You want me to receive this and You want me to obey it, so help me. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. You want God's help, protection, 
in your mind, in your thought life, in your day-to-day living and decision-making. You need God's Word for that. So read the Bible because it's God's Word. It is God speaking to you. Number two, why read the Bible? The Bible shows you the way to salvation from sin. Isn't God's Word good to show us the way to life, to forgiveness of sins? The Bible shows you the way to salvation from your sin. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15, we hear this. Paul writing to Timothy, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able, hear this, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Did you catch the childhood? You may be very familiar with this passage, but slow down and think about it for a moment. How from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, with the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. God's word informs us, instructs us, and warns us that there is one way to forgiveness of sins, and that is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, repentance of sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's still true for you today that the Bible shows you the only way to salvation. You need to know the way to salvation from sins, and you need to be reminded of it. I do. And here's why I say that. Because even if you've been a believer for a long time, Satan would love to come along and discourage you and make you ask, is this really true? Praise God that before you came to Christ, the Word of God existed. And before you came to Christ, you needed the truth of the Bible to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And as a believer in Jesus, you still need to be given assurance of that truth. I'm grateful for reminders of this truth. My confidence is in the Lord. It is not in what I have done or think I have done or think I can do or will do. It is in Christ alone. It's the same truth that Jesus spoke of in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Bible also shows you that salvation is not reserved for people who are, who are good. In Isaiah 53, in verse 6, it says this. I mean, because some people would say, well... I don't, you know, I'm good. If they say, if you ask them, if you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven or not? And they would say, well, I've been good. But God's word warns you and shows you that's not reserved for people who've been good, even people who think they've been good. Isaiah 53, 6, it says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Bible teaches you and instructs you 
shows you the way to salvation from sin and makes it clear that the that just in case someone would come along and say, this is what you need to do, A, B, and C, before you, you will be saved or forgiven your sins, it's not true. You need to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. Turn from your sin, turn to Christ. It's not for good people. So you can't earn your salvation from sins, and you don't have to be good enough to save. It says Romans 5, verses 6-8, through 8, for while we were still weak at the right time Christ died for the ungodly didn't say he died for the good he died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us Verse 8 starts with two of my favorite words in the Bible, but God. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, not good people, still sinners, Christ died for us. So read the Bible because it shows you the way to salvation from your sins And it reminds you that you don't earn forgiveness of sins. And that is something you ought to be able to rejoice over when you're reminded of that. And Satan would like to tempt you to be discouraged about your spiritual walk with the Lord and say, wait, my my debt is paid. Jesus Christ paid the debt for my sins. And he wants me to walk with him in obedience. And he helps me to do that. And he gives me his word. And so the Bible, when you read it, reminds you of this. It is a gift to all. We think about salvation. It is a gift to all who repent of sin and believe in Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Familiar passages, but we need these, don't we? And when you read the Bible regularly, you're going to come across far more than those familiar passages that echo these same truths that point back to these ones, these verses that you know so familiarly, you're so familiar with. Now, the other side of this, the other side of this truth that the Bible also is also truth that the Bible warns you. It, the Bible warns you what will happen if you neglect or if you reject the salvation, if you reject repentance of sin and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repeatedly, we hear statements in the Bible that make it clear that rejecting the truth of the gospel does not mean that a person only dies. At the end of his life, a person doesn't only die. I heard a fellow being witnessed to one time on a radio program. He was being interviewed And the fellow doing the interview, a believer, was doing an incredible job of sharing the gospel. And and you've met people like this probably, and you've heard this before, but this young man said, okay, yeah, I know, but I don't want it. He says, I guess, you know, I guess I'll just go party in hell with my friends. There's no party. There's no party. There will be everlasting punishment for the person who rejects the truth of the Bible. Jesus says in John 
15.6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In Luke 13, Jesus says this twice to the Pharisees. In Luke 13, the first time he says it is in verse 3. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. It's just as we hear in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and verse 30, when it says, And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, we hear this in the parable of the weeds in Matthew 13, verses 40 through 42. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age that the Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So read the Bible because it shows you the way to salvation from your sins, but it also warns you of the consequences of rejecting this truth and helps equip you to share the good news with people and and understand how to share the bad news with people who, who want to reject the good news. Often people need to be told, look, you're a sinner. According to God, you've sinned against God and, and you cannot make, make right your sins before God without someone to take the punishment for your sins and that someone is Jesus. Thirdly, you need to read the Bible because the Bible prepares you to serve God and the world. If you've come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's calling you to serve Him. Whether it's a vocational ministry is, is not the issue here. It's, it's for every believer. Some believers are called to vocational ministry. We have many of them sitting in our midst who have come to build and work and sweat to, to extend our building, to, to improve our facilities so that we can keep spreading the good news and to keep proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for them. But whether you become a missionary or a pastor or some other type of vocational minister involved in ministry daily, God's calling you to be involved in ministry daily in your daily life, wherever you are. Whether whether you have a job or not, whether you have neighbors or not, most of us have neighbors, most of us have workplaces we go to and or when you do business in the community and you interact with people in the community, God is calling you to be a minister in that place. So read the Bible because the Bible prepares you to serve God and the world. 2 Timothy 3 tells you that you need the Bible because as we heard earlier in verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Then in verse 17 we hear this, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's Word does this. It equips you. 
complete here is not perfect. It means it means provided for, and you have the necessary tools for obedience to God. That's what good work is. Do you realize that in the Bible, the Bible talks about good work and good works and being obedient. It's the same thing as being obedient to God's Word. As you read the Bible and you see things that God wants you to do to be obedient to Him, that's good work. That's the good work that God's Word talks about. Read the Bible because it properly prepares you to serve God and the world. God has us here for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve Him with the lives that He has entrusted to us and to serve the world by pointing the world to Him. Ephesians 2.10 says of believers, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's why I say obedience to God's word is good works. And that will include being a godly testimony to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to people that you interact with in the business world, when you do business in the community. And because we are in the world which needs Christ, but is not always welcoming of those who deliver the good news, Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And here's one of the reasons I would suggest that you read the Bible. And one of the reasons is so that you will be prepared to serve God in the world. One of the reasons in that reason is this, that when you know God's Word, when you read God's Word, you will be able to tell people what the Bible says. It is the Word of God that unbelievers need to hear. They need to hear you say, the Bible says. The Bible says. That's the best witness you could possibly have. And as you get familiar with God's Word, to be able to point to truths from God's Word and say, the Bible says... It's not your authority on which you speak. It's God's authority. The Bible speaks. God's Word is powerful. So read the Bible because it protects you and it equips you to serve God and the world. And as Hebrews 4.12 says of the Bible that you read, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is living and active. I will not tell you what my, I will not tell you to do with the Bible what my father used to tell me to do with my school books. My father has been a pastor longer than I've been alive, retired from pastoral ministry at 84 years old a year ago, March. He was also a public school educator for many, many years and was an English teacher. So I learned English at home if I didn't learn it at school. I'm thankful for that. But I wasn't a very good student. I really struggled with school. I was super bashful and would not speak up if I didn't understand something and I didn't understand much. In fact, I'm introverted and a lot of people don't believe that because I stand up here and speak, but I really am. I'm an introvert and I would prefer to be the guy sitting in the back row. But in God's sense of humor, he made me a pastor and he says, Go be a pastor, even an introverted one. It also makes me study because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of people. So this is a good thing, right? 
But as an introverted little kid, I didn't know what introversion was, but as a little kid, I was so backwards and shy. And I struggled big time in school. And I got up into my teen years, and I was really struggling in school. And my dad, an educator, would say, put your books under your pillow at night. <laughs> That's the best you've got? I think he had lost hope for me. He's like, it doesn't do any good to read them. I'll put them under your pillow. It's like, it's going to give me a sore neck, isn't it? Oh, my dad was a good, a, a very good, my dad is a very good father, a loving father who is a, who's extremely well educated and has, I, I joke about him having more degrees than a thermostat. I didn't get that many degrees. I struggled in school. But you know what? God's word is powerful. And when you and I read the word, it changes us. Because it's God taking, he's honoring our faithfulness to take his word, read it, and then take steps to obey it. It's not like another book. I'm not going to tell you to put the Bible under your pillow. That's not what it means when it says it's powerful. It's powerful when you open the Bible and you read it for yourself. And you come with the attitude of humility that says, God, please teach me. Please instruct, instruct me. Please don't let me stay the way I am if the way I am doesn't please you. So read the Bible because it protects you and it equips you to serve God and the world. And that Hebrews 4.12 passage is a powerful reminder of how powerful God's Word is when you take it in humbly and submit to it. The Bible knows you better than you know yourself. I've always marveled at this, that I can preach to a room full of people and everybody hears the same sermon and everybody hears the same words from God's word and yet God can use his word in a different way in every one of those people in that room if they're submitted to what God is saying. In his word. It's not that he's saying something different. He's telling us all the same thing, but he can use it in every situation. In the situation that I have that may be different from yours, God can use the same passage of Scripture to help you and strengthen you and help me and strengthen me. I praise God for that. My brother Tom and I were talking this morning after the service. Tom teaches our adult Sunday school, our men's adult Sunday school what every third quarter I think third quarter and you said you said I I tell too many stories and I said sometimes I wish I had more stories but you and I can both confidently go to bed at night after we've preached God's word because God is faithful to take the word that we preached and use it in people's hearts the way he intends to use it he uses all kinds of people to declare the truth of the gospel. We don't all have to be the same. We don't all have to have the same experiences. We do need to have the same word of God and preach the truth of the word. And then God honors that and uses it in people's hearts and minds as they humbly submit to the word. And please note that you're not submitting to me if you do God's word, if you're obedient to God's word. You submit to the Bible, submit to God. I'm a herald. I want to be a proclaimer of truth and point you to the truth and say, hey, over here, this is what you need to see. Pay attention. And that's what I'm doing tonight when I tell you to read your Bible. Fourth, read the Bible because the Bible stored up in your heart and applied to your mind 
gives you wisdom for living obediently and helps you invest your life wisely. Read the Bible. Because the Bible stored up in your heart and applied to your mind gives you wisdom to live. Helps you live obediently and it helps you invest your life wisely. Note how the Bible gives you wisdom to live obediently according to Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your, from your, from your mouth. I hate to a passage like that and I think, I need more of God's Word. I get so distracted by busyness or other things that I think are important and they take preeminence over God's Word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, says God. How do we do that? He tells us, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. For this to be true, you need to be devoted to the first half of verse 8. When you get to the last part and you heard me say, for then you will, be, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That sounds good. Wait, back up to the first half of the verse. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be obedient, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is, that is written in it. And of course, you noted that at the end of verse 8, but there are blessings that God will give to those who submit themselves to the word and saturate their heart and mind with the truth of God's word and are obedient to God's word. I want to caution you, though, when you get to a phrase like that, for then you will make, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Just note here, this isn't necessarily a blanket promise to God's people that they'll be prosperous and successful. This is a general, this is a general truth. There, there are many truths like that in the Bible. You come to them and you go, wow, that's, that's quite a statement. It's like, well, this is a general statement here, and this is, this is true, and it goes back to what I said earlier. When you submit yourself to God's Word, because of the power of God's Word, it's not, not like another book. The Holy Spirit takes the Word and will use it in the life of a humble, obedient and a willing servant of God. And what comes from that is often blessing from God. Blessings from God. That's incredible. I want blessings from God. How about you? We watch financial markets and things like that, and we're told to invest and try to save for retirement. But in the end, I want blessings from God. We ought to be careful with our finances, but what we really ought to want is blessings from God. Now, I'll tell you that God's blessings don't often look like the things that show up in the financial market. But God is good. He is always faithful to bless those who submit themselves to His Word and give themselves to His book. 
It's a general truth here that the believer who lives a life dedicated to honoring God and does that by filling their heart and mind with the truth of the Bible and takes steps to live obediently to the truth that God is giving them from his word. They'll have prosperity and success in God's economy. Prosperity and success in God's eyes. And God may bless you with earthly prosperity and success, but that's, to me, is beside the point. We need the blessing that only God can give. It's the joy of the Lord that we need as our strength. It's the peace that passes all understanding when life gets difficult because our hearts are fixed on the truth of God's word. We hear a similar truth from James 1.25 when it says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's wonderful, isn't it? Read the Bible because says God in Psalm 32 and verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do you want wisdom for living life? And do you want that life to honor God? Psalm 119 and verse 99 says of the believer who has the Bible in their heart and mind, I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. How could you possibly have wisdom for living if you don't have God's word in your heart and mind? So read the Bible and obey it because the Bible will help you invest your life with wisdom. Matthew 7 and verses 24 and following says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The Bible is your rock that you ought to found your life on. Having the privilege of having the Bible to read and ignoring it, on the other hand, Neglecting it is living life foolishly. So in verses 26 and 27 of the same chapter, Matthew 7, it says, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You need to found your life on the Word of God with your eyes fixed on Christ. Become settled with God's promises. Let them settle into you. 
Read through the Bible and then do it again and then do it again and read the Word and let the Word dwell in you richly. Don't be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. I told you I was a poor student and I wasn't very smart. So when I got close to graduation from high school, I decided to join the Marines. Because I told my dad I wanted to do my own thing and I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. I actually said that. He loves to remind me of that, even now. It's like, it's like, did I say that? Gee, how stupid. Two weeks in, I was thinking, what in the world did I do? I could have gone to college like my mom wanted me to do. But every time I read this passage about the foolish man who builds his house on the sand, I think about going through boot camp they sent me I was from Michigan at the time and they sent me to California which made me a Hollywood Marine if you're in the Marines you're either a Paris Island Marine or you're you're a Hollywood Marine like it's different somehow well it is a little bit but it's still hard but at boot camp it's in San Diego it's right in the city if you've ever flown into San Diego California you Maybe you didn't realize it, but you saw Marine Corps boot camp because it was right beside the runway. The only thing separating boot camp from the airport runway was a fence. And drill instructors loved to run us beside the runway and have airplanes landing beside us and then give us an order to turn one way or the other that we didn't hear. And then he would discipline us for disobedience, you know, not obeying a direct order. But in the background for, for weeks while I was there, I kept hearing this pounding, pounding, pounding. The airport in San Diego is right on the coast, and the the boot camp is just on the other side of the airport, so it's right on the coast. Guess what? It's sandy there. And for weeks, I hear this boom, 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 all day. Boom, boom, five days a week. Boom, boom, boom. I was like, what in the world is going on? Finally, one of our drill instructors said, they're... They're beating pilings into the ground to build a building on because the soil there is so sandy. That's living with wisdom. You don't build a a building on sand without making preparations and plans and driving down those foundational pilings into the ground to hold the structure that you're going to build on top of it. Your life Your life is complex, isn't it? Your life is incredible. You face challenges that we're all not going to be able to be there to help you with at all times. What you need is the Word of God. You need to found your life on the Bible. And so we're going to stop here tonight and come back for the remaining three next week. But may the Lord help us all to devote ourselves to reading and obeying the Bible. As we come back to this next week, I want you to prayerfully consider the challenge I gave you at the beginning. Would you devote yourself to reading the Bible every day? And I want to give you some practical ideas about how to do that next week, but don't wait for next a week from Monday to start. Start tonight or start tomorrow morning if you're a morning person. Or do both. You need God's Word. I need God's Word. And God's Word is so rich, so good, 
And God is gracious to use his word in a powerful way like no other instruction we could ever receive. And let's not be like the, the foolish man building our lives on sand. We need the foundation of God's word. Let's commit ourselves to reading it.